Fill him up with confidence and joy in Jesus' name. We just release to him. Amen. Come on. Amen. Well, Antioch Community Church of Beverly, it is so awesome to be able to be here. And it's really, um, honestly, it's such a, a joy and a privilege and an honor to be able to, to preach here. Um, I remember it was the second Sunday of my freshman year of college. Second Sunday of my first year at Gordon. Um, came, man, way back then we were called the Harbor. And I came with, uh, I think Joe, Joey Nadler drove us. We had a little group of us and we sat kind of in the middle. The stage was over there. And John Prickett, the old college pastor, John Prickett was preaching, and he was preaching on um, God cherishing us and how we, uh, how we get to cherish God back. And um, I still remember it, and I still remember hearing the Lord's voice um, that day. And it was one of the first times that I, I'm like, wow, that was the Lord. And I heard him say, this is me cherishing you when we had gluten-free communion. That was a game changer for me. I hadn't had a normal communion in years. And show up here, I'm like, oh my gosh. And then... Now I've graduated, graduated college, I'm here, and I never even visited another church after that Sunday. Um, and there have been just so many amazing people in this church that have poured into me and invested into me. Um, Brian and John Prickett and Neil Hubacher and Alex Steeg, so many people at this church have given so much to me. And this church as a community has really become a family for me. And even if you haven't been officially a mentor for me, you've been part of this family um, that I needed. When I left, I left California, came out to the East Coast, learned that winter exists. <laughs> and so this church has really been a family, um, a family for me. Um, and honestly, was you guys were the reason when I was going into my senior year of college, you guys were the reason I said, I don't plan on going back to California after this. Um, so I just want to say thank you for being such an amazing family to me. Um, and it really is such a joy to be able to be... Um, up here today. So, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, um, I graduated from Gordon College, um, had a degree in psychology, Christian ministries, um, and a third degree in res life, basically. Um, was an RA there for three years, um, and I had a lot of stories, a lot of crazy, wild, interesting things happen. Um, but one of my favorite stories happened before RE training had even started one year. It was my senior year. I was on staff with Ryan Fisher. He was up here playing the guitar. He's really cool, really good at leading worship. Love it. Um, I was on staff with Ryan, and um, there was someone else that was in the building really early. Her name was Katie. Um, And this night, I had the worst toothache imaginable. And when I say I had a toothache, I don't mean like, you know, I I was kind of sore and like couldn't really chew and I'd chew on the other side of of my mouth. I'm saying I was laying in my bed moaning and groaning and just like, oh, and I could not sleep. Um, And I'm like, I couldn't even open my mouth to talk. I go up and I see Ryan and Katie up up in the lounge of, of Lewis Hall and I can't even move my lips. I'm just like, my tooth, I need prayer. (laughs) And... So they're like, all right. And they pray and doesn't feel any better. And they're like, okay, Lord, what do you want to do in this? And so we just start praying and listening to what the, what's the Lord saying. And little by little, with every prayer and every listen, we're hearing the Lord say something, and then we would do it or, or share it. And with every step, like, the pain in my tooth would just get less and less and less. And until it was, if I was at, 
I started at probably a 12 out of 10. <laughs> like, we're, we're getting down to like a one and a half, two. But we're like, you know, Lord, you know, you want to take the pain away completely. Um, we're like, Lord, what is the step that you have for us? What step of obedience? You're trying to teach us something here. What is it? And we kind of look at each other and we're like, okay, the Lord wants us to go walk around the quad and pray for the campus. Yeah? Oh, you heard that too? Great. All right, let's go. And so we start going, walking around the quad, we're praying, and, and, then, and then there was just this, this joy that we had as we were walking with Jesus. We were, we're going, and we're just like praying what the Lord says to do, and, and we're just experiencing this joy, and we're feeling just the presence of God, and we, we felt like we could feel Jesus just like one step ahead of us, and he's so happy. He's like, yeah, you guys are doing what I want you to do. All right, hey, I'm over here now. Come, follow me, follow me. All right, I'm over here, follow me. And he was just so excited about us saying yes, and there was this joy that we had in saying yes to Jesus in the, just these tiny things. And then the Lord says, all right, see, the sprinklers are all on in the quad. Just run through them. We're like, okay. And so we just sprint across the quad. The sprinklers are going, we're running through, we're soaking wet, and we get to the other side, and we're like, wow, Jesus, that was so fun. <laughs> and there was just this joy that we felt. It was, it was a joy that went deeper beyond just the, this is fun and exciting, we just ran through sprinklers. It was a joy of, wow, we were walking with Jesus. We were walking with Jesus in some really big things, like like, Hunter, I'm sure there's a joy you experience as you're saying yes to Jesus in this really big thing. And then we're experiencing a, a very similar joy in saying yes to Jesus in a small thing of running across the quad. So the question that, um, the question that I pose is, is that joy for everyone? And is that joy for all the time? Okay. Is that joy of walking with Jesus and feeling like, oh my gosh, Lord, I just quit my job, sold my house, and you provided, and I'm walking with you, or you just said run across the quad through the sprinklers, and I did, that's fun. Is that joy for all of us all the time? So we've been in this series of uh, talking about rejoicing always, Um, and we're in this series until the Lord says, we're not going to talk about this anymore. <laughs> um, and it's been, it's been awesome. We've been going through the book of Philippians and talking about what it looks like to rejoice. What it looks like, how, what does it look like to walk in the joy that Jesus had? Um, so today, um, what we're going to talk about is this main idea. If you have Jesus, you can rejoice. Amen? If you have Jesus, you can rejoice. So a little bit of context for uh, the passage that we'll be talking about today. Um, <clears throat> so the Apostle Paul, he's writing this letter to, uh, the, peop- to the Philippians, and they're, they're, he's facing some pushback. There's some people saying, hey, you need to follow this Old Testament law. You need to do all these things. Make, to do, you got to do all these little steps. You got to do all these outward things to be part of, to be a real follower of Jesus. If you really want to have, you know, if you really want to have salvation, if you really truly want to be saved, you need to do X, Y, and Z. And, and Paul is saying, no, that's not how this works. Uh, Paul is saying, Jesus is enough. And so Paul, if you're not familiar, you're too familiar with his story, Paul initially 
once Christianity started to spread, Paul was an adamant, adamantly opposed to it to the point that he was zealously killing Christians. And, and he genuinely thought he was doing the Lord's work there. And, and he's like, this is wrong. You need to follow the law. You need to do all these things. Um, but he encounters Jesus and is like, oh my gosh, I was wrong. Jesus is enough. Jesus is all that I need to be saved. Jesus is awesome, in short. I don't think he actually said Jesus is awesome, but I know he, he felt that way, you know. <laughs> um, so if you'll turn with me to Philippians chapter 3, I'll be reading out of the ESV. And if you don't have your Bibles, i um, pretty sure it'll be up there on the floating Bible in the sky. All right? <clears throat> so we're going to be reading Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. <clears throat> and so Paul says, Finally, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. All right. There is a lot in there, and I'm really excited to unpack it. And if you know me, you know I love talking about joy. I think joy is exciting. (laughs) Um, So, verse 1 right there. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. If you have Jesus, you can rejoice. All right? So, let's talk about why. So, in verses 2 through 6, Paul is saying, hey, Watch out for these people who are saying you need to follow the law, right? So those people that are kind of pushing this message that's opposed to Paul, Paul is saying, watch out for them. They're wrong. Now, Paul, <clears throat> Paul would have previously been in some sort of agreement with them before um, knowing Jesus, right? So they're saying you need to follow the law. You, you, need, to, you need to be circumcised. You need to do all these sacrifices. You need... Um, you need to follow all these, all these customs. But Paul is saying, you know what? I think I would know something about that. Paul says, <clears throat> Paul says, I've done all these things. I was circumcised on the eighth day, according to Jewish law. I was, I, I was born of the people of Israel, and I was actually of the tribe of Benjamin. I was Hebrew of Hebrews, he says. He says, I, everything that I was supposed to do, I did. I was, 
He's saying, I was as close as you could get to being like the perfect Hebrew. And then as the law of Pharisee, Paul had studied the law. He knew it. He followed it. He knew the law to a T. He had it memorized. And he's like, and I was zealous. I persecuted the church because I believe so strongly in this. But he's, and he's, so he's saying, look how hard I had worked. And so what he's saying is, watch out for these people that are saying, hey, you need to, you need to work hard to have salvation, right? Um, but Paul, Paul's saying, no, 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 no. I, it doesn't matter if you're following the law to a T because we have Jesus now, all right? And Jesus is better. And if you have Jesus, you can rejoice. You don't need to follow the law to be able to rejoice. You don't need to follow the law in order to be saved. All right? Make sense? Tracking? Um, so, then moving on, um, Paul says, Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Hey, Paul, and Paul, Paul calls, this, calls it all rubbish. He says, I count it as rubbish for the sake of Christ. Uh, this morning during uh, pre-service prayer, Mark Gray had a really good analogy for this that, I, that I'll share. It, he described it as it's a, it's a warm summer day, and you walk outside, and you step in the grass, you're barefoot, getting ready to enjoy it, um, and you step in dog poop, in that warm, gross dog poop, and you look at it, and you just go, ah. That's disgusting. That's, Paul's saying, all these things that I had gained, all these things that I had worked for, it's just dog poop that I stepped in, that stuck to my foot, like, let's get that out of there, compared to the glory and goodness of Jesus. Paul had spent his life trying to gain credit with God. And he says that by the law, he was counted as blameless. He'd done it right. And he had worked so hard for this. But... We can't have both Christ and the stuff that we gained. He's like, and Jesus is better than anything that we gained. Paul knows Jesus. He's encountered the person of God and he knows, wow, I don't have to follow these steps, jump through these hoops to know God. Because Paul's starting to, Paul has recognized, wow, God just, he loves me. He loves me regardless of my performance. He loves me regardless of my actions. And he has forgiven me. I don't need to work and do all the perfect sacrifices in order to be forgiven. God, he's just forgiven me. Jesus was that perfect sacrifice and I'm forgiven. And so Paul is, Paul's like, none of that stuff that I did before matters. His, now, mind you, this is his life's work. This is what he spent his entire life studying and investing in and building up to. This was and this was his magnum opus of how he followed the law. And he's like, it's, it's rubbish compared to Jesus. Um, now, a little analogy for you guys. Um, we're getting close to the Super Bowl, so you have to make a Super Bowl analogy, right? Um, now, in this, I'm not saying that I'm not comparing Tom Brady to Jesus, all right? I know you New Englanders can get a little weird about that, but Tom Brady is not Jesus, Okay. Repeat after me. Tom Brady is not Jesus. Good. Thank you. (laughs) Besides, like, let's go Rams. Am I right? Woo! (laughs) Um, But 
it's like, <laughs> so it's like you spend, you knew, the, you knew that the Patriots were going to be in the Super Bowl because they are every year. <laughs> but you knew they were going to be in the Super Bowl and you're like, all right, like I am going to, I'm going to work my butt off to make sure that not only am I at the Super Bowl, but I'm standing there on the sidelines. Like I got the, I got the pass, I got the whole lanyard. And so you're, you're working extra hours, you're saving up. And not only that, but you are making connections, you are making calls and networking your way to try to get to someone who can get you onto that sideline, right? And so you get there and you, you finally figure it out how you're going to do it. You have your ticket, your comes in the mail, your lanyard, all your, all your Super Bowl swag. And you're like, cool, I did it. But then Tom Brady comes over and he's like, hey, you know, I want to get you to the Super Bowl. Not only that, I want you on the sidelines. And I want you to stand right next, right next to the team because you're my friend. I want you to be my friend. So I want to hang out. So after that, you can, you can come in. And if we win, you can come celebrate with us in the locker room. You'll be right next to me. How much better would that be, right? You would be immediately be like, all right, like, okay, I know I worked hard for this, but Tom Brady wants me to be his friend, right? <laughs> and so that's kind of, that's kind of what Paul's saying here is like, yeah, I worked so hard for all this, but I get to have relationship with Jesus. I get to be a friend of God. And that's, and that is just, that is so, so cool. Um, if you have Jesus, you can rejoice. <clears throat> so, to kind of take that point a step further, beyond just being a friend of God, in verse, uh, in verse 18, it said, <clears throat> For many of whom I often, I often told you, and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with mindset on earthly things. Their minds are set on all these things that, that um, on possessions, on following the law, on doing everything right. But then verse 20, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. We are citizens of our citizenship is in heaven. Not only do we get to have a relationship, a friendship with Jesus, but we, get, but we are citizens of heaven. And then Romans 8 says that there is therefore now no condemnation for those of you who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. And it goes on to say later on, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughter by who, daughters by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. You hear that? So we are... Heirs to the kingdom of God. We are heirs with Christ. The way that God looks at his son Jesus is the same way that he looks at us. We are fellow heirs with Christ. How, how crazy is that? I, I think about that and I say that and I have, like, I almost, 
I stop a little bit before I say that because that's so, that's such a big thing to say. We are fellow heirs with Christ. But that's, that is our inheritance as citizens of heaven. That we, that we are seen as sons and daughters of God. He doesn't see us for, he doesn't see us for the way we, the way we responded in anger earlier this morning or, or the ways in which, the which we've lied and cheated. Um, he doesn't see us for any of our sin. He doesn't see us for any of our imperfections. He looks at us and says, you are my son, you are my daughter, and I love you. Everything that I have to give, I want to give to you. How much better is that than trying to jump through hoops to do every, and trying to, to follow the law to a T? Now, that's not to say that, you know, we don't have to, that we, that we shouldn't be, that's not to say we need to go out there and be like, I can do whatever I want. Cool. I don't, I'm not paying for that soda. I'm just going to take it. Um, or anything bigger than that. It's not saying that. <laughs> Instead, it, it's saying, wow, God, you, you love me like that. I'm, you see me as your child. I, I want to love you back. So there's freedom from us for us to not have to follow this Old, Testament, this Old Testament law, but instead it's a freedom to say, God, I love you and I'm going to do whatever it is you want. And if I mess up, you still love me. Does that make sense? <clears throat> we rejoice because we get to know our Father. We rejoice because we have Jesus. So if you have Jesus, you can rejoice. Now, I know there are times that rejoicing is difficult. Um, being able to have joy does not mean that joy is an easy thing to have. It's not saying that um, you're never going to be sad or hurt. Um, you're never going to experience deep, heavy emotions. Um, joy is being able to say, I am able to rejoice. I can, I can still mourn, but God still loves me, and I can rejoice that I am still his son. I am still his daughter. And that's not to say that these negative emotions are, are inherently bad. I mean, the Bible says, mourn with those who mourn. Weep with those who weep. And, you know, it is our natural human response to, to feel sad, to feel hurt. And if, if someone walks out on your life, like you are going to feel, like it's only natural to feel upset. But we can, co- we can coexist in that pain and joy. Habakkuk 3, it says, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, the, the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, there's no herd in the stalls, there is nothing, where there's famine, no water, no food. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Even when, even when we're hurting, even when there are circumstances that are truly, truly awful, we can still rejoice in the God who saves us. We can, co- we can exist in this place of God, I am hurting. I, I am in debt. I have nothing. 
this person just walked out on me. This person, I just lost this person. I just totally messed this thing up and it hurts. But I can still choose to say, God, you are good and you love me and I'm going to love you back. I know Brian mentioned this in his last sermon, um, but it's just, it's such a good example. We've, um, the hymn, um, <clears throat> it is well, thank you, Brian. It is, it is well. He's saying, it is well with my soul. He wrote, the author of that hymn wrote that after he lost his family, after he, they, he, they were lost to sea and he heard, I am never going to see my wife and kids again. He was existing in this place of hurt, of, of sorrow, of depression. But even in that, it is well with my soul. God, you are still good. You still have saved me. You still love me. So I, I think it's, it's important to acknowledge the reality of painful situations. Because painful situations don't mean that we can't have joy, and joy doesn't mean we can't have painful situations. Um, my, my fiance, Morgan, um, something that she's really, she's really good at is being able to, to ground me <laughs> and say, and to really be like, hey, Caleb, there's, there is, you know, something you should acknowledge here. Like, there is something, like, I'm, I will fly over all bad emotions. I won't acknowledge them. I'm like, I don't like things that hurt. Like, all the good things, let's go. And, you know, that's not always the most healthy thing. And something that Morgan is really good at is saying, Caleb, you know, there's emotions that need to be felt here, but there's also, but there's also room for joy in that. Um, so that's something I really appreciate about her is she's able to, to recognize the reality of, of our world and of the, the pain that, that there is, the, the imperfections, but still say, God is still good. He is still in control. He does still love us. And so I just want to jump back real quick to, um, to verse 10. Again, joy isn't going to be necessarily an easy thing. Um, it said, I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, but that by any means possible I may... I may attain the resurrection from the dead. So there's two parts there. There's knowing the power of his resurrection. That's the, that's the part I like about knowing Jesus. But there's also sharing in his suffering, the part I like less. Following Jesus isn't easy. And choosing to have joy, choosing to rejoice isn't easy. Because as followers of Jesus, we are called, not, we are called to share in his sufferings. Whatever that, whatever that looks like in your life. Um, and so saying yes to Jesus means saying yes to all the power you have and all the really difficult things that are come, that are going to come with following you, but in both standing in both those places and saying, God, you are good. You love me. And I choose to rejoice in you. If you have Jesus, you can rejoice. I have two quick stories here. Um, you know what? I'm just going to share one story. A little plug for Engage the Nations. We watched that video, right? Engage the Nations, I went uh, to Germany a few years ago with them. And it was incredible. This, 
amazing experience of walking with Jesus in, in places that I, have, that I had never experienced. And seeing his heart, his heart for, for, for refugees, people who have lost everything, who have fled their country and are saying, I have nothing and I need help. And I was, uh, I was in the city of Wuppertal one day, up on top of this hill um, with a, a team member. Her name was Jackie Garcia. And we, are, we went out treasure hunting and just said, Lord, whatever, whatever you tell us to do, we're going to do it. What things should we look for? Oh, a red hat? Okay. Like triangle tattoos? Okay. All right. Whatever. We're going to go look for those things and see what you want us to do there. And we've been out walking the city for hours and we've seen nothing. And we're feeling discouraged. We're like, God, what are we doing wrong? We did everything right. We prayed before this. We, we asked you what you wanted to do. And, you know, feel like our hearts are in a really good place. And, but we, we're like, God, we're so discouraged. We're not seeing anything. We're like, what's up with that? And then Jackie, just, Jackie stopped us. Um, we're on top of this, of this hill. There's a park over here and all these, these windows closed off with this metal sheet. And... It just, it felt, it felt bleak. And she said, Caleb, we, we just need to refocus on Jesus. We've been focusing on doing all the things, but we, we just need to refocus on Jesus. So we just, we stopped on the street corner and we worshiped. We pulled out our phones and we just started worshiping and acknowledging, God, you are good. You are worthy of our praise, of our life. This is about you, not us having any glory, not us doing things right. It's just about you. And we start praying. And as we come up, or as we're praying, this man comes up to us. He walks up a little, kind of, kind of like this, kind of looks at us. And we're just kind of like, yeah, Lord, and Jesus. And he looks at us. And we kind of, and we see him and we're like, he's like, hey, what are you guys doing? We're like, oh, we're, we're praying. And he's speaking English too. So we're stoked about that. Um, he's like, oh, cool. My name's Gabriel can you pray for me? <laughs> and we're like, yeah. And so we pray for him. He's like, thank you. God, God's going God's to gonna open doors and windows for you guys. And we're like, thanks. And he walks away. And then all the, all the like metal sheets over the windows just start opening. And we're like, what? Lord, a little confirmation there. And there was just a joy that we had. We're like, God, wait, it's just, it's about you. We walk with you and that's where the things open. We had closed door after closed door after closed door until we stopped and said, Jesus, you are good. This is about you. We are choosing to rejoice in you and not try to do things right, not do things the correct way, but we just want you. And after that, there was a joy that we had in walking with Jesus. We were, run, we were going back to the train. We were getting late for a meeting and suddenly we see all the things that the Lord has said to look for. And we're like, okay, Lord, we'll be late to our meeting. And we go and we're able to pray for people and to, to share the gospel. And even we're, we gained access to a refugee camp that, we've been, that we'd been trying to get into, but had no idea how it was going to work. We, we gained access to this camp where we did outreach for the rest of the summer. And it was like, wow, stopping to recognize Jesus. I've been trying to do things my way, trying to follow the perfect formula but it's not that. It's about walking with you and choosing you. So there are some things, though, that will take our, that will take our joy. One thing, one thing that will take joy, will always steal our joy, is, that, is trying to earn credit with God. 
trying to do things, trying to do things right um, and trying to do things on our own, trying to say, oh, God, look at all these cool things that I'm doing. Now you can love me more, right? Now you can love me. That will always take our joy. And you might not necessarily be thinking it that explicitly, like, oh, I can do, I'm going to do this so that God loves me more. But what about, what about that place where, you know what, you, you got angry, you yelled at your kid, you lied to your supervisor, something, and then you walk, continue walking in a place of, of condemnation. And Romans 8 said, there is, therefore now, there is therefore now no condemnation for those of you who are in Christ Jesus. Yeah, you messed up. But that's the beauty of the gospel. That's the beauty of Jesus, that we are forgiven and we don't need to walk in that place of condemnation. Yes, there is a place of recognizing, wow, I messed up and I need to repent, but we don't need to stew in it. We don't need to be like, oh, I messed this up. And what that, that's this mindset. It's this kind of unconscious thought of, wow, I am gross. I am dirty. And that is not how God sees you. You are... (laughs) And as by you thinking that way and thinking, oh, it's your intern thinking, that's what, that's what God's thinking. Like, no. And, you, and so that's something that I just want to call out because I recognize that in my own life so many times that I will mess something up and I will stew in condemnation. I mess this up. And I will have a hard time going to Jesus after that because I'm like, oh, no, you can't look at me. I'm so dirty. But <laughs> that's not his heart. He has compassion, and he loves his children. He is a father who says, you messed up. It's okay. I love you. Um, just a, a story from my own life. Um, I spent, I spent my, the first year of college really trying to break free from, um, from a pornography addiction, and it was miserable, and I felt so whenever I would mess up, I just felt so dirty, and I felt like, I can't go to you, Lord. I can't. Like, no, I'm too messed up. But there was a day that um, Joey had pushed me and said, no, we can go to Jesus. Like, go to Jesus. And so I had, I, I had messed up that day, but I'm like, okay, Lord, like, I'm going to you. You're going to be so mad at me. What are you going to say? And then the Lord said, I love you. And I forgive you. You are my son. I love you. I'm not condemning you. Don't put that condemnation on yourself You don't need to earn credit with me for me to love you. You don't need to perform for me to love you. I just love you. So if you have Jesus, you can rejoice. He loves you. Um, Worship team, uh, if you all can come on up. I just want to leave you all with a couple practical things um, and a way to respond. So we'll have... um, We'll have prayer team on the sides if you want to get prayer um, for anything. But um, I want to challenge you to think about where are you trying to earn credit? Where are you trying to earn credit with God? Where are you, where are you not allowing God to have grace with you? Where you're saying, I, I can't have grace on myself here, Lord, so you can't have grace with me. I want to challenge you to ask the Lord, think about where are you trying to earn credit with God? What is getting in the way uh, what is getting in the way of joy? And finally, want you want you to think about where do I need to choose to rejoice? And I don't want to take away from the reality of really difficult things that I know that 
all people are dealing with here. Because the things that we're dealing with are real, they're hard. And you know, the Lord cares about, cares about them and he's faithful and walking with you. So I'm not saying these things don't matter. I'm saying where, where are the places that we need to choose to rejoice even when it's hard, where we need to say, it is well with my soul. I do have you, Jesus, and I can still rejoice. I feel horrible, but I can still say you are good and say that you love me, and so I'm going to love you. So take some time. Ask, ask the Lord what those places in your heart are, and feel free to go to the side, ask for prayer. Um, and I would encourage you, too, if, if the Lord's bringing something to mind, like I say, hey, look, you need to rejoice here. Hey, you don't need to earn credit with me over here. Share that with someone, whether it's someone next to you, behind you, someone on the prayer team. Just share that. There's a power in that. All right? If you, if you have Jesus, you can rejoice. Let's stand. We're going to sing this last song. And if you want to pray with somebody... Again, there's prayer ministers on the side. And please, you know, just ask the Lord, hey, God, what what is keeping me from joy? It's worship.